Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Here to talk all things Arsenal is your host, Matthew Wade. Hello again, listeners. Welcome to another Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. It's a slightly midweek podcast before the Leicester City League Cup game, but after the West Ham Premier League game. And to join me to possibly talk a bit about both and maybe some other things besides, it's Rohan Kumar, all the way from India. How are you, sir? I'm fine. How are you, Matthew? I'm all right. Uh, we were both talking before air. We're both a bit tired, uh, Rohan, because he seems to be the busiest man in the world and is it's God knows what time it is over there. Um, <laughs> and me, just because I've been at work all day uh, and had then did some work after work. So we were both suffering to, to, to come into your ears, listeners. So hopefully, hopefully this will be worth it for you. <laughs> Um, so obviously starting at the start uh, we played West Ham United at the weekend uh, what was your feelings about that particular match how did you enjoy watching it <laughs> oh definitely not <laughs> like yeah uh, Ceballos and Nekitia combining that was the best part after the uh, actions last week but uh, that was a definitely one of the games under Arteta that we didn't control the way we should have mm. uh, other in the both ways and the main thing that I saw was like all of our attackers were definitely trying to go get in behind the defenders and none of them were coming to take the ball from either of Chaka and Ceballos like they should have the, I don't know they should have the capability to they let them get behind and pass the ball like over the top or through the lines. But uh, one of the attackers should have done that and which we later saw William was doing it. And in second half, I do think Arteta should have told Saka to do that. And we saw a goal come from that. But on from the other way, I don't think Kolasinac <laughs> is definitely an option as either of a left centre-back or a left wing-back. Yeah, he's. A, I mean, he's a player whose confidence is, is gone, isn't it? Um, and it's a sh- I feel sorry for him because against West Ham, he was really putting in an amazing effort, but just in the wrong places and in the wrong ways. He was sort of... He was sort of trying to make things happen but in doing but not on the same wavelength as his teammates so he kept on getting in positions where he was actually sort of in the way rather than actually helping yeah like we all know what Terni and Maitland Lyles do on that left side mm. uh, how they combine very well with Obermann but that was not happening and even if Saka was doing all the things uh, that was needed. Uh, we didn't have the runs that where we needed from the left side. The left side that has been so productive for us under Arteta, and it was mainly because of Kolasinac not running down the flanks. But yes, he did put in a good shift, and uh, just like at times he was not in a good position, both attackingly and defensively. Yeah, and I think one of the things we missed is it's, it's a strange one because uh, Saka, with his two pre-assists, in a way contributed more in attacking sense than Maitland-Niles has done for a long time. But what we, I think, what we slightly missed is because Maitland-Niles is, you, you know, his development as a midfielder, 
he comes into those central areas and he I I I found the the uh, directness and the aggression of his off the ball running was something we slightly missed in order to kind of unsettle and and the other team and push them out of position you know Saka's obviously a fine player and hopefully will continue and become a great player but in terms of that element of his game that's something which perhaps it's physical strength perhaps it's just the fact that you know he can't be everything but I think that's one thing we missed from the absence of Maitland-Niles those unconventional runs into uncomfortable spaces which he's he's become quite effective at yes and also like Saka wasn't as defensively getting back to mm. Maitland-Niles and the goal he considered and many of her counter-attacks were done from the left side because Either of Kolasinac and Saka weren't as defensively as Terni and so it was a hamstring before the game but we got a win so happy for that. Yeah, I mean it, it, it is one of those games that you sort of, if if the season goes well you look back on fondly because it was a battling victory when the team didn't play well and if the season goes badly you should look at it as a sign of someone we got away with. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was definitely needed that we win both of our first two matches since considering our next run of fixtures. Yes. Which I do hopefully expect us to get some good points out of it. But we definitely need some new signings. Yeah, well, um, I mean, as you say, when you've got a difficult run of games up, you need to win the games that you would expect to win. Uh, and, you know, our first two games do come into that category. I mean, in terms of the overall performance, did, apart from the left side not functioning as well, can you do? what else do you think may have caused Arsenal not to perform so well or to have found West Ham difficult as an opponent? Uh, the main thing was that they had a clear line of five defenders and four midfielders. Which didn't enable us, like uh, how Lacazette comes in behind, gets the ball, either passes to Aubameyang, creates the space for others. Uh, he wasn't able to do that because in front of him there were two people, and then Dan, uh, Declan Rice and uh, Susek, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then on the wings, then we had some people combining, but they were also getting, uh, trying to get behind the West Ham defense. Which, like, which as per our current set of midfielders is impossible because they don't pass the ball that way. They are more like defensive kind of. Eh? And Ceballos, who is more of a dribbler, yes, he uh, went for the second goal. He tries to get at the uh, midfielders, mid defenders, which he did later on in the second half. But in the first half, we were missing all that. Because mm -hmm. they had a clear line of four, five, almost nine players behind the ball, which was a bit difficult, and that's why we have been saying that we need a creative midfielder who can unlock that defense. Yeah, and I think I mean two things you you pointed out, which I very much agree with, and I want to expand on is with our flat two midfield, and with with perhaps the lack of as much of a threat coming down the left in terms of general play uh, we, we sort of didn't have any anything to pull West Ham's formation out of its 
roles really I mean Willian was roaming a bit but he didn't have a great game uh, wasn't as good as he was against Fulham in terms of his execution um, and so it, they could kind of just sit where they wanted to sit uh, you know and, and, and they didn't they weren't forced to be tactically uncomfortable which is one thing we've seen Arteta do a lot in recent in, in you know over the last few months um, and I do think that it was very noticeable that the winning goal came from one of our central midfielders taking up a different position essentially and making a run into a place where none of our midfielders had run in the match and it and it caught West Ham badly just because they, they'd probably got so lulled by our midfielders not going anywhere that as soon as one of them actually ran into a dangerous area no one tracked him and there were about three people who could have tracked him and none of them did um, but the other thing I think I agree with what you say is I think you can see why Chelsea wanted to buy Declan Rice. He was really good for West Ham. I thought he he he, he, did, he was he was uh, he was definitely doing a, a, the full Gilberto Silva, uh, uh, a bit more Gilberto Silva than Alex Song anyway. Um, but yeah, I thought I, I I thought he was very impressive, and I thought it's also typical of West Ham to you know they're at home opening game against Newcastle they don't turn up they don't really try they look totally demotivated but when it comes to a London derby against Arsenal or Tottenham they suddenly wake up and <laughs> and play and play with a bit more commitment and I think also yes the, I, I think like West Ham as a team they are missing two central defenders that can be much better than what they have and uh, maybe one of the two fingers to upgrade on either of Fornals and Felipe Anderson, which I don't know why Arsenal linked with him. I, I, I'm not sure it's a link that anyone believes. and <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know, I mean, there was talk of, wasn't it, Felipe Anderson on loan for a season. And I suppose in, in, the, in the spirit of Jose Benayoun in years gone by, you can kind of see some sense in that, but Benayoun was more of a uh, not quite as explosive a player, but much more disciplined and much more hardworking stylistically. Uh, and that was something we missed at that time. I'm not sure Felipe Anderson really would solve any issues for us. And it sounds more like West Ham are trying to get his wages off the books. And we know all about yeah. that. We've got our own mercurial creative player would quite like to have someone else pay these wages. <laughs> um, I mean, looking else, but again at the West Ham game, is there anyone that you thought played well for Arsenal because I thought it was one of those strange games where no one was awful but no one was really kind of above a 7 out of 10 I'd say Gabriel and then Lacazette I do think Lacazette is going to have the season of his life this time with the Aubameyang properly as a left winger creating his chances for his teammate and if Lacazette can stay without an injury I'm particularly sure he can score 25 goals this season. Oh, in the league and or in all competitions? Overall, I'd say. <laughs> okay, I got, I'm just checking, just checking. <laughs> for the leagues, I, better, I do hope that Aubameyang this time definitely goes over 22 goals. And I do think Gabriel Magalhaes, he did have some moments that like one of the his header moving the wrong way and uh, one of his passes moving yesterday, but otherwise he put in a good shift. 
tackle really well, put in. Uh, uh, I don't think anybody did uh, dribble past him again. Mm-hmm. So, and definitely it was a formation which he has not played with, like with Kolasinac. Uh, I don't think he has played in training also. Mm-hmm. So, it was a difficult match for him also, but uh, he put in a good chip. And I do think Holding can be a good squad player. But he does not have uh, the speed to put up with. Like we saw, Antonio was always trying mm. to run behind him. And he was giving up. So, it would be better if we could loan him out. But I don't think with the centre-back injuries that we get every year, it would be possible to send him on loan. Yeah, I mean, it also, so much of it, doesn't it, depends on what happens in the rest of the transfer window. I mean, we keep on hearing... You know, apparently Socrates has been going to Italy for four weeks now, but he's still mm-hmm. here. <laughs> um, and there's now s- stories emerging again about Mustafi, but uh, who knows if there's anything to them. And, uh, you know, there's even someone trying to make up something about Callum Chambers, but given that he's probably three or four months away from fitness, that strikes me as a bit of being a, li- a bit unlikely. Um, I, th- I thought... Uh, I-, I thought... What, although he was a bit passive, I thought Sabayas was decent against West Ham and, as you say, got better as the game went on. Um, and I thought Xhaka, as is so often the way, when, Ars- when Arsenal win, playing badly, Xhaka's normally had a decent game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, in the second half, the way he was uh, throwing the away uh, over the top balls for Aubameyang and Saka, which was a bit troubling for West Ham defence. And mm. I think Ryan Fredericks also had a yellow card because of a bad tackle on Saka. Mm-hmm. So all those were because of Saka being uh, as a pivot behind, uh, above the two defenders staying and crossing the ball for them. Which if he does very well in a game, that we definitely he's the he's the person who controls the game for us. Yeah, yeah. I see many people on my time, Twitter timeline slating him for that he's not good enough for the club. He should not be playing if we sign Ahuar and Partey. But I don't know. Like if they watch the game, they should see why Jaka is so important for Arsenal and why Arteta likes him so much. Well, it's that same dilemma, isn't it? It's that thing of he's probably our most important midfielder, but in a team where he's your most important midfielder, you're probably not good enough to win the league. It's it's that kind of thing. It's you know, we 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 want to get to a level where we don't need him anymore, but I think that level is higher than some, as you suggest, some people perceive. Um, so I think, regardless of how much people complain, he's going to be here for at least another couple of years. Um, and to my mind, rightly so, uh, just because we don't know if any of the other midfielders either we've got or that we're hoping to get ha- have that controlling element to their game. Obviously, they've got qualities that he doesn't have. I mean, you know, being able to run fast is, is one of them and and, um, and uh, being able to beat players as being, being another. But... Um, well, the other thing about Xhaka is he now he's got his confidence back. He's doing what I always thought was his strongest quality, which is he's he's now always available for the ball for for the defenders yes. or for his midfield partner. There was a period early last season when it was all falling apart under Unai Emery where he stopped doing that, and then he, then his value to the team became diminished 
and obviously we all know how that played out. Um, but I, th- I think now we're, we're seeing that quality being uh, displayed more, and I think that's good for the team. And, and obviously, you know, th- there's a reason why, although people might not be happy with him, no one's now angry when he's in the team like they were maybe a year ago. Yes. So I do think like if we do get a war and party and we move back to 4-3-3, he can be the pivot that plays behind a war and party and controls the game while uh, like a war party can be a box box and a war as a creative midfielder does the, all the creativity and while uh, Jaka is doing what uh, Rodri is doing for mm. Manchester City mm. getting mm. all the balls back passing them in the, to the front lines or to the back line when uh, one of the front line players are not available if he does that then I do think he can be the club captain and later on when Oberman leaves I do think and uh, he oh, can't not going to leave ever <laughs> <laughs> no seriously you, I mean you have to have been delighted about the uh, about the new contract obviously yeah definitely I'm actually thinking of this time getting Aubameyang on my back <laughs> Cost, um, it'll cost you more though long name <laughs> <laughs> yeah um just lastly on the West Ham game I just wanted to ask you because obviously it wasn't a great performance and we struggled against a team who were disciplined and physical at times but without crossing the line I thought um, does this make does this make you concerned going ahead or do you think that it's just the way the team's matched up or what's your feelings on that? I don't think we set up perfectly well for the game since uh, either of Tierney and Niles were not, were not there. And then I think instead of like when you are playing against a defensive block, it's better to play uh, Pepe at the right wing because he can take defenders on, he can create space for other people, which he did at the last moment when he came out. Mm-hmm. So we were not perfectly set up for the game and I do think it was once in a time of uh, like we played bad but we still got the win and I do not think we will have a problem playing the other teams which aren't having a defensive block like tomorrow Leicester Mm. and in a week's time Liverpool well seamless link there sir because I was going to ask you about the Leicester game that was that's where I wanted to move it to which is I mean it's going to be really tough, isn't it? I mean, what's your feelings coming into the game? Do you think Arteta will, and do you think we should put out a really strong team, even though it's the League Cup, to try and generate momentum? Or do you think it's a game where we should focus more on giving game time to some of the lesser players and not worry too much about the outcome? Uh, since Arteta is coming from Pep's team and he likes to play... Uh, Sterling, Aguero and uh, Mahrez against a third league team. <laughs> so I do think since it's Leicester, he will go for a mixture of some French players and some uh, main players. Like I do think Pepe should start. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Saliba might get a game too. And then they, uh, David Lewis should also come back after his neck injury. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, I guess we'll see. Uh, I start. don't think Nelson also should get a time because he's not yeah. been playing 
in the last two matches and hasn't come on the uh, from the bench too. Uh, Nekatia might be uh, Nekatia would be starting since Lakazaka started last two matches. Mm-hmm. So it would be a good mixture of French players and uh, some of the backup players that uh, have been playing well coming from the bench. I suppose uh, the question, so, the real interesting question is, if we're doing that, is what's the what's the central midfield? I mean, I guess El Nini might get a, a look, um, but uh, I mean, do we see the oh, shock horror of the return of Ganduzi or? <laughs> or, or, or I mean, it's obvious that Torreira is close to departing by some means or other, so it's unlikely he'll be involved. Since um, uh, Leicester, I do think he might start Jaka and with it El Nani. Guendouzi might be on the bench. I'm not sure about that because since we have Willock also, and he hasn't getting in time or so in the last two games. So it would be Chaka and El Nini in the midfield on the wings since Cedric. I don't know why we assigned him. He's most of the times injured and with Niles and still here. So I do think he will take up the right wing position when Delvin uh, is not fit or maybe something like that. So for tomorrow, I should be Delvin on the right wing back and Niles on the left wing back. Uh, I'm not sure who will be starting as a left centre back. Could be Gabriel, or could be yeah, again Kolasinac. Yeah. Because since Leicester do have some fast players, so it's better to have a Kolasinac as a left centre back who can move forward backwards at a certain speed that's required. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, because <laughs> Leicester obviously. Uh, looked very good in their last game um, and we know that Brendan Rodgers is a good coach and they've got a lot of dangerous pieces um, and obviously they've done some decent business as well I mean they got a lot of money for Chilwell um, they, I don't know if the guy they brought on loan from Roma uh, Shengizunda is going to be fit um, but he, he, he'll probably be a very good loan signing for them so it's going to be a really tough game but you know it depends partly how Leicester are taking it, I guess, if Rodgers is prioritising the League Cup as a tournament he thinks he can win, or if it's something where he has the same view as other teams who are challenging really with the League as a priority and puts out a mixed team as well. Um, maybe we'll see another 5 all like at Anfield last year. <laughs> <laughs> the main thing is how he is going to see, like since uh, they don't have their centre-back available, they are playing Nididi as a centre-back. Mm. So giving them more games could mean like they could miss a centre-back again through injury. Or, and they could give a youngster as a starting place. So I think that's a place where we can hurt them the most. And uh, Justin also as a right wing-back, I don't seem to like him as a defensive prospect. He can be more attackingly good. Mm-hmm. So I do see us attacking more from our left side and hurting them more. Since uh, I think Nididi would be playing as a right centre back, and Justin also mm-hmm. as a right wing back. Yeah, I mean it's a game that's hard to call, isn't it? Because both teams are very capable of hurting each other. But I, I'm, I'm sort of quite looking forward to it. Um, I mean, sort of going beyond. Well, I mean, first up, what do you reckon the score is going to be? Let's let's go there. Let's do it. What's your prediction? 
I'm going for a three-one Arsenal win. Three-one. Wow. Bold. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for a victory in a penalty shootout after a two-all draw with uh, our our new reserve goalkeeper that no one knows anything about saving a penalty in the shootout there we go banishing the ghosts of Martinez are they really going to give him a match straight away or they're going to still pay Leno in there I don't know actually I mean the way I see it it's it's the League Cup and while and while the League Cup is a trophy you can win I my I've been fully vengarized and view it very much as something where you know, you you use it as a chance to give your give players you think have a chance of playing first team football a chance to prove themselves, I guess. Um, but obviously, you don't send them all out on their own without any help. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, actually, to be to be perfectly honest, I, I think Leno will probably start, but uh, I, I think I think we'll see our new chap soon enough in. in if we make it to the next round of the League Cup, I think we'll see him there, and obviously we'll see him in Europa League. Um, I mean, what did you think of that signing? And we have, I suppose, the departure of um, Mr. Martinez. I was watching the game yesterday. Actually, and <laughs> great save, wasn't it? The penalty. Yeah, great save. Great save. Uh, but yeah, we couldn't do anything about that. Uh, Arteta wanted them to fight for the first place. And he's looking at the 2021 World Cup and yeah, yeah. the next year's Confederations Cup, 2022 World Cup, actually. Yeah, I know. I knew so, what you meant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's looking at the international gaps, which he deserved to get before, uh, which he didn't. And he deserves all that international glory that he should be getting. And uh, if uh, that meant that he would be fighting for a position instead of directly starting then I am sure he made the choice for himself looking at his career and the age uh, that he has been. Mm -hmm. So it was a good good move for him. I don't think Aston Villa, like they have been investing money, I don't know from where, (laughs) even when they are in relegation, near the relegation sports. So if they stay here and he plays all the matches, gets around 10 to 12 clean sheets, it would be really good for him. And yeah. as for a new signing, I don't know. Like, we haven't seen him much play. And then there are other rumours that we are going to sign David Raya from Brentford. We send him on loan back there again. And uh, the new signing that we have would move back to the third place and Matt Messi going somewhere else. Yeah, I think I'm well. Matt Macy's not been offered a new contract, and and certainly seems to be suggesting he wouldn't sign one if he was. So I think he'll definitely be departing. It, I mean, it's obviously it's a slightly strange signing this one because I mean, I've it's been a long time since Arsenal signed a player who wasn't like 17 that people know less about. Really, uh, I mean, obviously he had he had he had a good season in Denmark. Uh, before he then got his move to France and then in France he had a a decent first year but then they bought another goalkeeper Dijon and he got relegated to the bench uh, halfway through the season and of course as Iceland's number two it doesn't fill you with with confidence but then our new goalkeeping coach seems to think very highly of him so uh, it's, it's sort of 
you know, buying reserve goalkeepers for vast amounts of money doesn't make a lot of sense. But at the same time, you, you can't help feeling that if uh, Leno got injured again, we wouldn't be quite as lucky this time. <laughs> Um, we can definitely like assess his abilities after some matches, mm. uh, which I do think he would be getting some in Europa League most probably. Yeah. Not sure about uh, Carabao Cup since the next round we would be facing, I do say Liverpool, since the, <laughs> uh, I don't know why we get difficult teams at the start every time. And there, then there is Manchester City who always always let every round get so easier starts and then yeah well to be fair we, we normally get one or two easy games in the FA Cup so, so I'm not going to complain <laughs> I don't really care about the League Cup the last time I was interested in that I think was about 1993 <laughs> um but that's because we won it, so obviously that was interested. So, I mean, a bit more generally, um, obviously, just before we wrap up, because we're going to do a short one this time, uh, partly because we're both knackered and partly because there's a game tomorrow and react to that afterwards. But uh, we've obviously been talking a little bit about potential transfers. And obviously, with the Martinez sale and the arrival of, of uh, our new goalkeeper, that's where I think we're now at a transfer net spend of about 10 million for the summer, maybe less. Probably probably less, because we actually got a million pound sell-on clause for Tuber Akpom, and we got 1.5 million for Sam Greenwood. So our net spend is probably about 7 million at the moment. Um, so ov obviously, despite any financial difficulties, the, the club want to spend more than that. Uh, and I guess we probably won't be buying anyone until at least one of the many players we're trying to sell actually leaves. But how do yeah. you see how do you see things panning out? What's your instinct about what we're going to see between now and the end of the transfer window? Uh, I do think Kolasinac is going to leave, and uh, then I then the number of centre backs we have, uh, uh, both like I do think both of Socrates and. Uh, Mustafi slash Chambers would leave. I have made a bet with my Arsenal friend that we will definitely get 15 million for Mustafi, which at the time didn't look uh, possible and it's looking a bit possible right now. For most Socrates, I think Napoli are like, uh, I don't know, very bad club who tried to think that we have a Oh, verbal agreement with you, so we'll sign you whenever we want to, which mm -hmm. I do not think should be the way. And I do think we taught them a lesson with Gabriel when they thought that they have got their man, but we got him. I don't believe that Koulibaly would be leaving soon, so it would be impossible to sell Socrates to Napoli. Mm. And so that's a big problem because Socrates already has agreement with Napoli, verbal or whatever. Mm -hmm. So he might not be looking at other opportunities, but we definitely need to sell him because the number of center backs we have is quite big and still we have only three of them fully fit. Mm -hmm. So our center back options are a bit bad. And uh, then I definitely think we should be able to get Thomas Partey since Torreira is getting linked with Atletico. But uh, dealing with Leon for a while would be the most difficult one 
since we would be willing to play a pay in only installments mm-hmm. which if they agree to which i do think that they should agree to because none of the they need money and none of their players would be are close to leaving Dubai has this offer from Barcelona but Barcelona have don't, don't have any money yeah they they're even worse off than we are <laughs> i'm hoping i'm really hoping that we at before the transfer window ends we will be getting Thomas Partey and our if you had which, to choose one which would you choose uh i am definitely like i am all for thomas partey but seeing the west ham game it's clearly showing that we need a creative midfielder first and then we should go for plucking the gaps in the midfield which thomas partey does so but the main problem is we do not sign him this year this summer transfer is going to sign a increase in contract with atletico which would increase his uh, a release clause or whatever they want on the money so that would be it would be difficult to sign in next year and i don't think there are any good candidates who can replace him as a mm. potential midfield player yeah it's an interesting one because obviously they play with different profiles uh i mean partly for the reasons you suggest and partly for age profile i guess party would be the more immediately impactful signing um and also you know being able to beat a press is also a form of creativity in itself and we know that he can do that um it really sort of depends on what arteta sees as his priority in terms of the shape of the team obviously our is a younger player with an enormous ceiling who um we know that the big clubs europe are all going to be sniffing around next season so they're both kind of a one hit only scenario uh and yeah. it's just which hit is the most most uh, important to us or, or uh you know is it are we thinking slightly more long term or are we thinking immediate impact and um i suppose that may also be linked to, to whether arteta thinks he might will ever find a use for mesa ozil <laughs> but it doesn't it's unlikely at the moment and i guess you know it's 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 hard to call because there's so much bullshit flying around i mean we heard lekeep talking about ganduzi handing in a transfer request and then obviously that's been rebuffed today um yeah and you know i mean it's such a pointless story because we all know that the club have been trying to sell him so him handing in a transfer request wouldn't really change anything um <laughs> Um, but you know then also you got uh Grant get French football now on Twitter who seem to have a, had a massive falling out with the Arsenal fan base and are trying to bait <laughs> Arsenal at every opportunity which is it's sort of sort of slightly tragic when it's someone that's vaguely official doing it um but yeah i mean it so much depends on who goes you know if i think i think as you say Terreira is the big one if if Terreira goes we get a fee for him that that opens the doorway for us to get at least one of those guys um i mean obviously it's partly financial uh, but it's also partly due to uh, our non homegrown player limits you know at the moment we've got too many non homegrown players so we can't register them all so we need to shift a couple at least before we can maybe three before we can actually bring someone in and be able to use our all our players otherwise we just end up doing the same thing of sending someone on loan for a year until their contract runs out and they leave anyway which is not really exactly yeah. a, good, a good use of resources 
I think the reason why I think the party deal is more likely to happen is simply his release clause means that we can wait right up until the last minute to, to activate that so it allows us to get some of our other business done whereas whereas the, our idea is obviously going to be part of the negotiation process and uh, would, would take a longer level of time commitment in, in, in discussions with the club whereas you know if there's already something agreed with party in terms of potential contract mm-hmm. then that deal can happen very very quickly um, so that's why yeah. I think it's the more likely of the two but I, I, I personally reckon we'll get one of them and someone else that none of us have thought of or, di- or didn't even <laughs> think was like remotely plausible uh, either you know maybe as a signing maybe on loan or maybe some some someone that's had a falling out at their previous team or something like that. I don't know. I've just got a, a sneaking suspicion there'll be something out of left field coming that we're not expecting. Um, just because the speculation has been so focused on those two players for, for so long. And before- yeah, there has been news about us getting Zahal on loan and then sending Reese Nelson or Smith Rowe on loan to Crystal Palace, which I do think is a bit difficult because... Crystal Palace. Why would they do that? Yeah. (laughs) If if we are sending them money like around 40 million, then it would be okay. Or maybe 25 million plus Reese Nelson and Smith Rowe on loan. That would be possible. But sending Zaha on loan, that's like difficult, quite difficult. I mean, it'd be very funny, but I can't imagine it happening. Uh, Yeah. And, and also, like, currently we have 19 homegrown players and the limit is 17. And yeah, 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 with yeah. most probably Torreira and Socrates and maybe Kulasanach leaving, that would get down to 60. Mm-hmm. But uh, if that does not happen, then there will be some exclusion from the team, which as as per the news, it has been stating Ozil might not be included. In the Premier League squad, yeah, which which is sort of extraordinary, but not extraordinary, which shows you how bizarre the situation's got. Uh, either that, or it's the annual send El Neni on loan to Turkey. Uh, but yeah. g- given that El Neni's had a decent start under Arteta and they, and seems to be willing to uncomplainingly do what he's told, Arteta tends to appreciate that. So I think there might be. And given how little transfer value Aldini has, it sort of makes sense for us to use the last years of his contract rather than let someone else do it, if at all possible. But yeah, of course, Zaha would count as a homegrown player if there's a way to do that deal. Uh, I did see someone on Twitter talking about, you know, Arsenal should get Party and Zaha and have this amazing African midfield frontline combo. And I said, that's great, but what happens when it's the Cup of Nations? Yeah. <laughs> then we're totally fucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you've got Lacazette, Nelson and, and Ketia <laughs> and, and having to rely on Gendouzi to come out of the colder midfield. I mean, is that the same? I don't know. Um, <laughs> All right, well, uh, as I said, it was going to be a short one this week, so we're going to knock it on the head now, uh, partly so Rohan can actually get to bed at a, tie, at a sensible <laughs> hour, and partly because I think, um, I think I might have just had uh, dinner being cooked for me, so I'm not going to say no to that. But on a more serious note, um, we're keeping this short partly because we've got the Leicester game tomorrow night, uh, which will probably be today by the time you hear this, listeners, and obviously we'll be doing another one before the Liverpool game at the weekend. So we'll have uh, the Liverpool game on Monday, rather. So we'll have lots to talk about, and uh, there's no point talking about all of it right now. <laughs> I just have a point to make. Yeah, go for it. We are definitely winning the match tomorrow. 
because the day before I do a podcast with Matthew, the next day we are winning the match. So ah, we are definitely go. winning against Leicester. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the place your bets, people. Place your bets. Those of you who do such things, I don't. I wouldn't advocate it, of course. But yeah. Um, well, great. Well, thanks again, uh, Rohan, as always. Lovely to speak to you. And um, thanks, listeners, if you got this far. And uh, nothing else to say except for let's hope for a win tomorrow and have a great week, everyone. Take care, one and all. Yeah, always nice speaking to you, Matthew. And you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.